0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the Daily Bible Teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side-by-side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College? Because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Campbell.
2: Thank you ever so much. You know, at first, I thought I'd be speaking on the rapture here this morning, but after Herc and his friend got loose, I thought that the rapture would occur before I could get to preach it. But. <clears throat> But well, the Holy Spirit is placed upon my heart to bring to you when you turn to your Bibles to 2 Kings, the 10th chapter. 2 Kings, the 10th chapter. In the Word of God, we do know that there is such thing as believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being regenerated, born again. Then there comes a time that therefore we should be transformed and live the Christian life. All through the Word of God, God lets us know that a... That a Christian should live a Christian life. That a child of God should live like a child of God. We found out this, that our dedication or non-dedication does not touch the one thing what God has done for. uh, Meat and uh, wine, drink, therefore, do not affect the work of God. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's salvation. Now, after we are saved, we are told and we know that we are saved by grace through faith. We, we know that very well. But the 10th verse says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before hath ordained that we should walk in them. We also know by Titus 3:5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, verses before that in the context says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us the same grace that we are saved by, teaches us that by denying ungodliness, worldliness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, we do know we have the conflict in the old man still with us. In the sight of God, he's dead, and we know he's not dead, and so we reckon him to be dead. We are to mortify the deeds of the body. Now, as we get in here, we begin to say, how can we live this Christian life? As one dear lady told me in Chattanooga, she said, Brother Mike, only the Holy Spirit can teach you how to live the Christian life, how true it is, through the Word of God. Oh, my, I I bought every kind of book you can think on, on the victorious life. How to therefore overcome and so forth, and and uh, one book would say step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. The next book would say no, it's step five, step four, step three, step two, step one. Uh, and then another book would say no, begin with step three, then take step two, and then step four and step one, step five. Oh brother, I've had everything in the world. Finally, I just said, oh blessed Holy Spirit, take over my life. Amen. So so it's very different. So now God lets us know that, therefore, we should uh, uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're told in in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, that we should, therefore, be be followers of God as dear children. Followers, imitators of God as dear children. Children like to imitate their parents. Be ye, therefore, imitators of God as dear children, even as Christ has given himself as a... uh, Uh, sweet-smelling sacrifice. No, we know those sweet-smelling sacrifices were the burnt offering. Therefore, man needed to be uh, himself to be dedicated to God. He gave his um, his burnt offering and that uh, burnt offering was the first of the uh, uh, we say sweet-smelling savor and we are told this that we can do just what Jesus did on these. We can give ourselves as a living sacrifice a burnt offering and you know that offering is put upon the altar After being flayed, after therefore being the head being cut off, the front legs being cut off, the hind legs being cut off, put back upon the altar and let it turn and burn to ashes. God therefore would have us to be a continual burnt offering and a living sacrifice. We are told this, that they had to have two sacrifices a day for all of Israel for this burnt offering, in the evening, in the morning. This is called the morning-evening oblation. And so the continual burnt offering, and so God would have us to give ourselves a continual burnt offering. We find out also that along that time they would take a handful of flour called the meal offering and put it upon that. The burnt offering speaks to us, therefore, of dedication. And then we find the meal offering speaks to us of uh, separation unto the Lord from the world. Then we find there was the peace offering. And this was the peace offering that a man, not he knew that he had peace with God, through his sacrifices for a sin offering, trespass offering, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore being justified by faith, declared to be righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have that peace with God, but I know this, that I can get out of the will of God, and therefore not have the peace of God in my heart, Oh, to know the peace of God and to get in it. Oh, how I praise God. Some students come up to me and say, Brother Cameron, do you think I should do? I said, no. They said, I haven't told you yet. I said, there's a question. (laughs) Amen. There there would be no question if you knew what the will of the Lord is. And the word of God says, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So therefore, a man back there at the time of Moses, for 1,500 years, would give his peace offering to have the peace of God in his heart. So we're told, therefore, that we ourselves should give ourselves unto God as Christ gave for these sweet-smelling savors, a dedication, a separation, and in the perfect will of God. We're never to emulate, never, therefore, try to, to copy out to the Lord Jesus in paying for our sins with the uh, sin offering and the trespass offering. Only He, therefore, could take away our sin. Now, as we get here in this tenth chapter, we, we're speaking indeed of dedication and separation and abiding in the will of God here in this 10th chapter of 2nd Kings we find out that God has spoken that he wants this man Jehu to be the king of the ten upper tribe known as Israel and so we find that there are two commissions that he gives uh, this man to do and this is what we call in our message two-thirds complete there's no such thing as two-thirds complete as salvation is concerned either you're saved or you're lost but there is such thing as giving to God this, giving to God that, giving to God that. But we're holding back all oh my! saying to God we're giving everything as Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, they, they said they gave all, but they kept back. They lied, and so therefore they, they died. Aren't you glad that God doesn't strike every one of us dead every time we've lied to the Holy Spirit? If he did, we wouldn't have anybody to speak to, and you wouldn't have anybody to speak to you. Amen. So we've all, all said that. But now here we come, and we find out there's what we say withholding from God. He wants everything about us. He wants our whole life, our body, soul, and spirit. He wants us completely given over to him. And also, a lot of people said, I dedicate what I have and what, who I am to the Lord. But, you know, they will not live a separate life. Of course we are to be different. We are different. We are children of God. We've been born from above. We have the new birth. We're partakers of the divine nature. Our sins have all been forgiven and paid for. And we're on our way to heaven. Certainly we are different. Certainly we are not of this world. We are of heaven for our citizenship is not here upon this earth, but in heaven. From whence we look for the coming of the Lord Jesus, who shall change these vile bodies, that they may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Yes, a Christian shall live like a Christian. A child of God shall live like a child of God. So now here in this this, uh, message here, we find out here is a man that certainly was used of God and did what God told him two-thirds. He needed one more. We're speaking to people here, and and we say this nearly everywhere we go. Very seldom we do do we preach this unless we find that there is a need. And uh, I I remember the first time the Holy Spirit gave to me way back there uh, many years ago, and I was at Bryan College, and that was a time when they only had about 100 students there at this great school. And uh, they were down in the basement there, and as we gave this message, and I got up, they says, now, Brother Mark, and we started about 8, and I got up and had about 15, 20 minutes. They say we stop at quarter of 9. I said, all right, so I got up to give this message, and, and I said to them, as i say to you, of course, you know me, and you hear me, most of you, of, uh, two, three times a week. Now, this is what we say, and I told them, now, if you can just forget about the speaker, and I says, I know some of you right now are saying, I don't like his looks. I said, if I could change him, I certainly would. But I says, now, some of you say, I don't like his homiletics. Well, that's the best I can do. And some of them say, I don't like his voice. Well, that's the best one i got. So, therefore, we just say this. If you can forget these criticisms, throw them out the window now, and hear what God has to say, we know that you're going to be blessed. Well, when quarter of nine came, the power of God fell upon Bryan College. And let me say this, the uh, Dean and brother and the... Um, president just got up and said, we, we know the Lord has something here, so we're just by it here. That meeting closed at 20 minutes to two that afternoon. There was a person to be saved, and there was a great revival came. It was just, it was spontaneous. It's not one worked up, and this is what we say nearly everywhere we go. We gave it to temple ne- next year, and that whole student body indeed saw their need, and here today, no, I say, Every one of us are saying we are given to God. We are Florida Bible College. We are, therefore, a member of the student body or a member of the faculty. We're interested in there. But you know, every one of us can be, therefore, letting the searchlight of the Holy Spirit come into our hearts by the Word of God. And just see how we stand before God as a child of God by the Holy Spirit living through us. Word of God says work out your own salvation, not work for it. But work it out, you already got it in. Now work it out, live it. But you can't, but the next verse says how you can. For it's God that worketh in us both to do and to do of his good pleasure. Now here we go. Now here is Jehu, my, on his way to serve God. On his way to be the king of Israel, the ten upper tribes. And here we go here in the first verse. And Ahab, the previous king now had seventy sons in Samaria, and Jehu wrote letters and sent to Samaria unto the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to them that brought up Ahab's children, saying, Now as soon as this letter cometh to you, seeing your master's sons are with you, and there are with you chariots and horses, a fenced city also, and armor, look even out the best and meatiest of your master's son, and set him on his father's throne, and fight for your master's house. But they were exceedingly afraid, and said behold two kings stood not before him how then shall we stand and he that was over the house and he that was over the city and the elders also and the bringers up of the children sent to Jehu saying we are thy servants and will do all that thou shalt bid us we will not make any king do thou that which is good in thine eyes then he wrote a letter the second time to them saying if you be mine And if you will hearken unto my voice, take ye the heads of the men, your master's son, and come to me to Jezreel by tomorrow this time. Now the king's son, being seventy persons, were with the great men of the city which brought them up. And it came to pass, when the letter came to them, that they took the king's son and slew seventy persons, and put their heads in baskets, and sent them there to Jezreel. And there came a message to, and told him, saying, They have brought the heads of the king's son. And he said, Lay them in two heaps at the entering end on the gate unto the morning. And it came to pass in the morning that he went out and stood and said to all the people, Ye be righteous, behold, I have conspired against my master and slew him. But who slew all these? Now, know now that there shall fall into the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab, For the Lord had done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, and all his great men and his kinfolks and his priests, until he left none remaining. And he rose and departed and came to Samaria, and as he was at the shearing house in the way. Here God had commissioned him to get rid of all of the household of Ahab, that wicked king. And so he did so. We found out, yes, Through his subtlety, he certainly did have them to be slain. And now we say he's on his way to dedication to the Lord. He claimed to be righteous. The people claimed to be righteous. And now he had done what God would have him to do, to do do that which needed to be done, rid the whole land of this dynasty of Ahab and Omri. And so in a stroke, 70 sons were killed. And their heads were placed in two heaps as a memorial. For other people to see that indeed this man is the servant of God. Now we come here to the 19th verse and we find out the next. He's on his next one-third to serve the Lord. Now therefore shall call unto me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants and all his priests. Let none be wanting, for I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But, Jehu he did it in subtlety to the intent that he might destroy the worshippers of Baal. And Jehu said, Proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal. And they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel and all the worshippers of Baal, came to that uh, there was not a man left that came not. And they came unto the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full from one end to another. And he said unto them that was over the vestry, Bring forth vestments for all the worshippers of Baal. And he brought them forth vestments. And Jehu went, and Jehonadab the son of Rechab unto the house of Baal, and said unto the worshippers of Baal, Search out and look, that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshippers of Baal only. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without, and said, If any of the men whom I have brought unto your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of offering, the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains, Go in and slay them, let nothing come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword. And the guard and the captain uh, cast them out, and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal, and burned them. And they break down the image of Baal, and break down the house of Baal, and made it a draught house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal, out of the house of Israel. Here he is now, another third complete. Two thirds complete, and one more third in his life that God would have him to do, and yet he bought. Oh, my God, rid of all of the seed of Ahab in one stroke. Then in another stroke, he got rid of all of the worshippers of Baal, all the priests, all the servants, all those that uh, had charge of the vestments. In one moment, Every one of them were destroyed. Israel, the ten upper tribes now, were rid of that great, terrible, harsh, as the word of God says, uh, idolatry. Uh, Baal worship that we find Ethbaal through Jezebel had introduced unto these people. Consequently, they introduced it into Judah also. But now here we are. Baal worship is done away with. Now here is a man of God. Seemingly, he loves Jehovah with his whole heart. He knows God. And therefore, there's not a Baal worshiper, there's not a Baal priest, there's not a Baal servant, nor any kind of a witness for Baal in the whole land. We say, my, that's good enough. That's good enough. He's already done two things. That's great. But there's one more third for him to do. You know, a lot of us right now can say, yes, I've done this for God. I've gone down to Florida Bible College by the leading ship of the Holy Spirit. I've done this that God would have me to do. But you know, there's some of you right now Are therefore, uh, saying, what shall I do on this score? Shall it be this? But watch out. Seek great things for thyself. Seek them not. And let me say this, friends. Despise not the day of small things. We're just small. We're just sinners, say, by grace. Let go and let God have his wonderful way in your life. That one-third is going to mean everything. Oh, everything's on the altar except one little thing in your life. I, I, I would not dare suggest what it may be. I've had people come to me and says, oh, Brother Cameron, you went right down the line. Did you know, did anyone ever suggest to you about me? I says, to the people I never knew you before. I said, the Holy Spirit saying, well, it says, you know what? Oh, there's victory here. That one third that I'm holding back from God. Listen to this. Now here is that other third that he should give unto God. Now how be it from the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them, to with the golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. We know the story how uh, Jeroboam and Rehoboam became kings. Rehoboam, of course, was king over the whole twelve tribes until he foolishly went by the decision And the suggestion wisdom of the young men over the wisdom of the older men. And so we find that the ten upper tribes said, what more do we have to do with Judah? So they left, formed their own kingdom, and Jeroboam was selected to be the king. Now here are the two kingdoms. Here is Jeroboam with the ten upper tribes. Here is Rehoboam with the two lower tribes. Upper tribes known as uh, Israel, the two lower tribes as Judah. Now we find out that uh, Jeroboam himself became king. They acclaimed him. And they were so glad, therefore, not to pay heavy tribute down there to uh, Jerusalem. But then that's what he began to think about. Now there's the temple down there in Benjamin. There is the, the days uh, of atonement. Then there are the days when a man can come with his burnt offering, his uh, meal offering. His peace offering and uh, all my his sin offering and his trespass offering in order to get an atonement, a covering for his sin, and uh, then there, of course, all the seven great feast days, many of them, therefore, began right there in Jerusalem. Oh, he says, now we've got a problem on our hand. He says, soon as these people, therefore, have got rid of Baal, and now that there seems to be a revival to Jehovah, so therefore. uh, Jeroboam says, while well, they'll want to go down to Benjamin, down there to Jerusalem, they'll want to go down there and offer up these five offerings, two for sin, three for dedication, they certainly will. Now we can't do that, we can't, we can't allow that. While well, that'll be just like somebody letting the gate open and everybody going out, you know. We've got to stop that gate and build it a wall, that no one can come out. So what did he do in the, the meantime? He said, they're going to worship something, So Jeroboam went ahead and put up two golden calves, one at the northern extremity at Dan and the other at the southern extremity at Bethel. And uh, it became so polluted that therefore God called it Beth Arbor. Bethel, Bethel, the house of God, became the house of nothingness. And he put two golden calves. One there at Dan and one at Bethel. And Bethel just about six to ten miles from Jerusalem. So near. But yet so far because he had built his great wall. And therefore that no one can go down to Judah. And he said this or these are the gods. That brought you out of the land of Egypt. He introduced a terrible, terrible worship. When Jehu came. The people were worshipping these golden calves still and attributing the name of Jehovah to them. Can you get that? Also, we found out that they were worshipping Baal and with a mighty stroke he got rid of it. But what did he do? He himself began to see, just like Jeroboam many years before him, that when an Israelite wanted to get close to Jehovah, and wanted therefore to give as a burnt offering and a meal offering and a a peace offering unto the Lord, or for a sin offering and a trespass offering, they would go down there and leave his kingdom. So he left the two golden calves at Dan and Beth. One more third, and he would have been completely, wholly dedicated to God. One more third, But we're told that Jeroboam caused Israel to sin. We find Jehu caused Israel to continue to sin. Do you see all the plight that he put the people of God in? He substituted another God for Jehovah. Thou shalt not have any gods alongside of me, saith the word of God. Thou shalt not make any graven images. Thou shalt not bow down to them. Breaking to the great moral laws of God Almighty. Did you see just what happened by not giving to God that other third? He could do it. Oh, he could have done it and the people will rejoice in it with the taking away of these golden calves. And destroy them. Moses did. Why didn't he? One third. He, he talked about Jehovah. But he himself wanted to preserve his own dynasty, his own reign. But he kept back that one third and did not take away the golden calves from Dan and Beth. What is your golden calf? What have you put in your heart? What are you bowing down to? What are you seeking after? What glory? are you giving to what? One third for Jehovah, one third for Jesus, more. And God will use us. Dr. Cameron, I just feel like the Lord's not using me. I hear that so much. Why? Have you come to complete surrender that this is a place where God would have you? That might be the other third. Oh my! A young man came to Doctor Moore one time and said, "Doctor Moore says, you know this young lady that I've been going with said yes. Says we've just been engaged. Yes. Said we'd like to get married in uh, in March. Could you get permission for us?" He said, I, "I certainly can." So he got him permission to marry in March. But you know what? In January came a new group of students in. And there was another young lady that came in, wowed him, bowed him over. So he went to Dr. Moore and says, will you help me out? He said, what? He said, I know I've got engaged to this young lady, but I want you, can I send her to you and you tell her that I want to break the engagement so I can go with us? He said, I will not. He said, what, what do you mean, Uncle Bob? He said, I thought you said it was the will of God for you. To marry this other girl and got you permission to marry? He said, I did then, but I don't think now. He said, don't tell me God works differently. He always works the same. I say this. God brought you to FBC? God leading you away? Uh-uh. oh. is that other thirst? Somebody might be holding back for something else. I dare not suggest, I suggested that, forgive me for doing so, because that might not be in your thinking at all. But what is this other third that's keeping you from wholly serving the Lord? You're saved. And you said, I, I'm anxious and I'm burdened, and I have enthusiasm in winning the loss to the Lord Jesus. Good. But well, what is that One third. One young man came to me in January, been with us about four or five months, and said, Dr. Cameron, I said, yes, I want you to know I'm wanting want to go to another Bible school and already been accepted, but two of your students came by and, and Beagle Mead suggested that I come here, and he said, there hasn't been a day, but I felt like I've been out of the will of God. I said, oh, don't say that, don't say that, young man. He said, what's the matter? I said, my goodness, I said, we're a small school here, we can't stand stand people to be uh, out of the will of God here. Don't you know Jonah was out of the will of God, look what happened there. I said, we can't stand a storm like that. We just can't. Young man, uh, do do you want to get in the will of God? He said, with all my heart. I said, we'll get you there in 30 minutes. He said, what do you mean? I said, we'll go over there and help you uh, get packed and put, put it in the truck and take it down there to the bus there. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. I don't think I'm out of the will of God that much. Oh, my. Boy, <laughs> well, I tell you, if I was out of the will of God one-tenth, I'd, I'd get into the will of God. Amen. What if that one-third in your life? You know what happened? By leaving the golden calves at Dan and Bethel, He kept the people from the house of God. Whether you believe it or not. That one third in your life that's not given to God will keep people from the house of God. I remember before I knew anything about dedication of life there at Highland Park Baptist Church many, many years ago, long before Lee Robinson ever came there. One of the young men in our crowd came up and says, you know, I'm trying to win this young lady to the Lord. She later became Dr. Robinson's secretary. She was in our group there. He said, Mark. I said, yeah. He says, I'm asking you to stop this in your life. Says, that's standing in the way for her coming to the house of God and getting saved. Ah, oh, I said, oh, it is. Says, she's throwing you up. Says, she's just as good as you are. Boy, it made me so mad. I said, you take care of your knitting, would you? And my life is my own. But you know when I got away from there, I got so convicted. Oh my goodness, Allah. Keeping this person from the house of God. One third. By keeping them from the house of God, they keep, kept them from the place of sacrifice. Whether you know it or not, that one third is keeping people. From hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And by keeping them from the house of God and from the place of sacrifice, they kept them from having the atonement. Can that one third in my life? keep sinners from being born again. He can. It has. When I was in Chattanooga, pastor of the Alton Park Baptist Church, the Holy Spirit put upon my heart one of my old friends at Junior High School, Elk's Junior band days. He played played the saxophone and I played the clarinet there, and we loved very much each other. And he was a very wealthy man, and I wasn't. Came from wealthy family. I went to the public schools. He went to Macaulay uh, School there. Prep school. Very great school. And yet we came, came in contact with each other every once in a while. And we loved each other. But when I went up to Northwestern Bible School, and then stayed up there in Minneapolis for ten years, I began to get papers from home and got one every day. In that, I found out that this young man became a very strong character in the underworld. He had money. But I found out that he began to uh, buy one, one of these uh, uh, honky-tonks and nightclubs. And he still had his orchestra. He had his own orchestra. And I began to see there how he'd be rated and everything. Now, when I came back to Chattanooga, became pastor there, the Holy Spirit said, Go and see this man. I began to inquire where he lived. He had an, a listed uh, telephone director. I knew that he was in the number rack. I knew he was in the gambling uh, game. I knew he had this big uh, nightclub. I knew all that. I knew where it was located. The Holy Spirit told me to go to talk to him. And I knew that it wouldn't be the great thing, good thing to go down there. Even one man in our church who was a big politician said, oh, Brother Cameron, don't go down there. Don't go down there. They read that thing nearly every other day and said, look at the embarrassment you would get. Therefore, if you'd be down there and they made a raid and they put your picture and everything at the front page. (laughs) So I heeded that. That was the worst thing I ever did. God put that young man upon my heart. I was a young man then too. Oh, he did. And you know what? I tried to inquire where he lived. Nobody could tell me. One day I was at a filling station there in Chattanooga and I saw a man and his wife come in a Jeep and I looked at him. I said, well, that's he. And he seemed like he recognized me, but then I said, no, that's not here because I hadn't seen him in many years. The General picked up the paper that n- night, and that young man had died of a heart attack. You know, I found where he lived very easily. And I went to his place, and there was that Jeep parked on the outside. I went inside, saw the widow, had prayer with her, but oh, he himself had been such a man of the underworld, and that I had never known that Chattanooga had such characters, lewd characters, in my life. There they were. I went over there to the casket, saw this young man underneath the glass there, hermetically sealed, and I said, oh boy, I didn't do you right. One-third lacking in my life to obey the blessed Holy Spirit, in which I didn't. I gave that immediately one night in the class. And a fellow came up to me and said, don't you feel bad about it? I am work for the bell telephone and says, I witnessed to him when I was there for two or three days before he died. He got the gospel. I said, that does not relieve me. Paul said, I'm the free from the blood of all men. I can't say that. There was one man that I should have gone. But therefore that one-third of obedience and going and being directed by the Holy Spirit, I'd have given the gospel where he had accepted or not. But it was so such a definite leadership. I can tell you this, that any time I get a leadership of the Holy Spirit like that again, I don't care where it is. But that one-third kept them from coming to the house of God come into the place of atonement, come into the place of sacrifice, that one-third in our lives will keep people from the house of God from hearing the gospel and from getting saved. I've given this illustration so many times, you upper-classmen may have heard it. There at Northwestern Bible School when I went up there, such a time of depression, hardly any jobs, I met a young man by the name of Jim Williams, he was such a great boy from Montana, Now I was from the South, and he ha- had a kind of rough life of rustling uh, steers and everything out there, and uh, he was graduating that year. We just clicked that sort of bus to it. And so all through the year, my freshman there, it was just wonderful. And you know, uh, he, re- he came there to the last month of school, was in analysis, needed three outlines on Jude to be handed in. He handed in two, The professor said, if you don't get this in by tomorrow, says you won't graduate. Well, he had this idea. I've been here all these years. One little outline on two verses. They won't keep me from graduating. But you know, they read out his name day before, uh, day after that. And did you know, they read his name, that he was the only man that wasn't graduating. Oh, he got furious. He was engaged to a young lady, married her there, and took her to Montana. So mad, so mean. And every once in a while, she'd write to us. We were the last class that knew him. And said, pray for him. He's gone in, got, got into backsliding condition, gone back to the old life. Pray for him. During my senior year in April there, and I was to be graduating in May, here came Jim back with his wife. Oh, I was so glad to see him, but hard, hard as nails. I said, have you come back, Jim, therefore to finish that little old course so you can graduate? No, nah, I'll never go in the Lord's work. In April, you know, they're taking off the storm windows put on the screens there, and uh, our boys there at school got a lot of jobs, and so he came to, there for that purpose to get some jobs. And on one afternoon, he was out there in south of Minneapolis, and as he was there and we had this big double uh, uh, ladder up to the third story, he was taken off a uh, window, and the wind blew him, and it off, and he fell, crushed him himself. He lay in a critical condition for five days. Every night that we got together, we said, should we pray? We asked and called up and see how he was. Critical, critical, critical. That's the strangest thing, though. The Holy Spirit would not allow us to pray for his recovery. We called one evening. They said he just passed away. His wife says, now, I'm not going to take his body all the way back to Montana. I'm going to live here, so I'll just bury him here. So she called... uh, his father and his brother and his sister and they said we'll come so they came to the funeral two days later after the funeral they went out there to the cemetery and as they put Jim's body there upon the rack there for the Lord into the grave Dr. Bass just went to the old dad and said Brother Williams do you have hope of seeing Jim after after death he said no sir turned to the brother and said you're born again aren't you he said no sir To the sister of Jim, are you saved? She said, no. So he said, come here. And they all four knelt right there by Jim's casket. And he led the father, the brother, and the sister to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you getting at? Jim led more souls to the Lord in his death than he did in his life. God is going to get glory out of your life if he has to take it. Give that other third to the Lord today. Shall we pray? You know what's in your life, I know what's in mine. I want God to have three thirds, don't you? Just say in your heart, Lord, I'm not holding back anymore. No more. Like the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You can say, oh Lord, here's, I want to give this one third, help me to give it to you. And confess sin, of course, that we haven't done it before. Speak to the Lord in his precious word, for we are cleansed by the washing of the water by the word. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now to be three-thirds dedicated to God. Lord, here's this, Lord, that you want, you certainly can have. Lord, 100%. For thee, thy knowest, O Lord, our flesh, Thou rememberest that we are dust, certainly you do. The Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take over us. We completely yield ourselves over to thee, that we shall be to the saving of many souls, that therefore they shall come to the house of God. They shall hear the gospel, and they shall believe and be saved. Lord, may we not be the stumbling stone. Three-thirds complete, 100% dedicated, Lord, we give ourselves to Thee at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear. Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, MakeItClear.org. That's MakeItClear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for
0: Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible.